We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OTGBasketball.com and NetsRepublic.com. Your host, Nick Faye, with me as always, my best mate, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? It's a glass half full or empty kind of weekend, Nicholas. Yes, very much. You know, the Wizard game, obviously, big win. Tonight against the Clippers, not so much. It looked like it was going to be a win, and the Nets kind of melted down in that fourth quarter. Yeah, 22 points were the only quarter where we couldn't, you know, crack that 30 mark. Um, And it wasn't even necessarily the entire fourth quarter. We looked okay early. It was just down the stretch where the Clippers sort of showed that they're a ready-made playoff team. And I think a really underrated team in the Western Conference. And you guys, you and Corey spoke about them plenty on on the NBA outlet. But um, they were just the better team down the stretch. They showed uh, that they were a little more polished than we are. Yeah, they definitely have some vets, like I was saying to you off the show, that can kind of win they're consistently than some of the Nets guys where it's kind of a game-to-game basis where you know we talk about a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie who had a big game against Washington not so much tonight like you mentioned to me negative 19 minus 19 as well I think he was like 316 from the field yeah it wasn't his best tonight you know plenty of um watching you know some of Nets Twitter including um one of our mates Brian he was sort of putting some stuff out there he was sort of trying to take over a little bit and he was either not getting the calls or the board just wasn't rolling his way. I was doing a little bit for Nets Republican. It just seemed like the down the stretch, the basketball gods weren't in our favor. And it just sort of went that way. And, you know, whether Spencer did when he was trying to get the Nets out and sort of try and get them to win, or he was sort of forcing it a little bit too much. Because I think uh, D'Angelo Russell had a wonderful night. Um, and I thought that him and Jared Allen were just absolutely instrumental in getting us the lead early and sort of making an impact, uh, making the Clippers sort of uh, catch up to us. Um, but I think down the stretch, you know, there wasn't enough plays or D'Angelo wasn't able to initiate enough. And, you know, there's always been some issues in terms of you know, D'Lo and Spencer sharing the floor a little bit. They're still getting that chemistry going forward. But uh, put this up as a, one of those sort of learning experiences. I know, you know, Nets fans won't uh, like to hear it, but I don't think this was that bad of a performance overall. 
Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of the fourth quarter where they – and I think some of it was, you know, the back-to-back. You know, obviously they need to get over that hump where they haven't won a back-to-back. I think this was their fourth one this season. They were a little bit tired, and I think that kind of had an impact in there. You know, you mentioned want to see D'Angelo a little bit more down the stretch. Do you think that was more on D'Lo, more on Spencer Dinwiddie, or more on Kenny kind of saying, like, yo, D'Angelo's kind of hot. Let's get him some more touches. I think down the stretch, you put it more on the players and the coaches. I know a lot of people are probably going to come for Coach Kenny in this one, but I think it was more Spencer trying to take over a little bit, sort of to have that mentality. And he has saved us plenty of times, you know, in, over the past year and a bit so far. But I think now was sort of the night where D'Angelo could have made his mark and he was feeling himself. He was quite efficient from the field, you know, posted a nice double-double, 23 points, 10 assists, only one turnover as well. Um, for me, it was one of his best games of the season, despite the fact that we lost. And, you know, he backed it up after a, a nice performance against the Wizards. So for me, I would have liked D'Lo to sort of take the ball a little bit, but he is sort of as well. Spencer sort of, you know, has this sort of mentality about him, this, or this confidence like about him. mentality almost too to D'Angelo. I don't know why I kind of get that vibe. Yeah, I think it's more the fact that Spencer's proven it him himself to a, a you know some sort of an extent. He's by no means you know Kyrie Irving or, or Stephen Curry in that sort of sense. But he's gone. Okay, well, like I've done this. D'Angelo Russell hasn't done this yet. It's my turn to take over. This is where I shine. You know, I got us the game against Detroit. Let me do it again. Whereas I think D'Angelo Russell needed to be given those opportunities a little bit more. Um, whether that was on him, Spencer, I think it was more of just a chemistry issue, maybe a little bit of communication on the court or whatever. Because I think our offense, when it was humming, it looked really good when the ball was moving. And, you know, again, D'Angelo was at the head of that, you know, dishing out dimes left, right, and center. Nice pick and roll play with Jared Allen. So I think more needed to be done where it's just not necessarily so much hero and ISO play, but let D'Lo sort of run things a little bit because he was, you know, facilitating like no other and he was just finding his spots. So I think um, maybe a little bit of criticism should go Spencer's way um, and Kenny's way, but I think, you know, it's at the end of the day, um, if you make those shots, they turn into good ones. Yeah, and you mentioned D'Angelo having a big night, you know, 23 points, 10 assists. And one thing I wanted to see the Nets go to, especially when they're playing that small lineup with uh, D'Lo, Dinwiddie, Crab, Harris, and Allen, you know, you have the spacing, go with little D'Lo, Allen, uh, pick and roll. You know, Montrez Harrell can't really get up the same way Jared Allen can. You know, we know he's a physical guy, high energy, but Allen definitely has the length on him. And they kind of went away from the pick and roll a little bit sometimes. And obviously the ball movement was big, but I think sometimes when you need a bucket, you just need to go to that. Yeah, I think the pick and roll was one of the most, you know, efficient plays throughout the night. You know, as I was taking my notes, for me, it was just, it, it was happening consistently. Even Spencer and, and Jared Allen, you know, Jared Allen, his best, obviously, he's a career night for him. Yeah, career high for him. You know, I think we're going to see that broken maybe a couple of times this season. He's just having a wonderful season Um, after... You know, he's had his ups and downs, but he's going to be great for us going forward, obviously. So, yeah, I think it's the most simple play, the most run play in basketball. And when you're looking for a bucket, it's generally one of the hardest to defend as well. So um, I, I probably agree with you on that end, Nick. But were there any other sort of things that down the stretch, was it more the Clippers were good or what was it that wasn't going right for the Nets? I think, you know, the Nets are playing at such like a high level offensively for three quarters. Their defense wasn't amazing. Obviously, the Clippers are an offensively talented team, but I think that kind of hurt them because then their shots started to stop falling in the fourth. Obviously, you know, the energy kind of went down a little bit. The Clippers kind of picked it up a bit and it just kind of just all kind of melted down. Like I said, I think, you know, maybe fatigue was a slight factor. And I think, you know, I probably would have went with a little bit of different lineup. I think Tobias Harris and Gallinari had like 28 or 27 each. You know, I think you put in Demari Carroll there, give you a little bit more size. You can help you on the boards a touch with Harrell, who dominated that fourth quarter. 
you know, I think there maybe could have been an adjustment. Like you said, I don't think Kenny was the reason they lost the game, but I wasn't a big fan of that closing lineup. No, I think, you know, Alan Crabb would probably had, and it wasn't an amazing game by any stretch, but by his standards, probably his best game of the season, at least offensively. So I think Coach Kenny wanted to continue holding, you know, the sort of impact there. Joe Harris was good. He always makes the right plays. You know what you're getting out of um, Joey Buckets. So for you, Nick, would you have subbed out one of those two? Who would you have sort of yeah, I would taken have taken Crabb probably. I think Joe okay. has done enough to, you know, show this season. You know, like you said, Crabb is having one of his best games of the season, if not his best. You kind of want to boost his confidence. But sometimes I think, they were trying to like go the opposite of the Clippers where they need to get a little bit more toughness because they had so much size where it wasn't just like Harold was mu- muscling Allen. You know, uh, Tobias Harris is a mismatch against Crab or Harris. And then you also have Gallinari, who's a mismatch against Crab or Harris as well. So now you're putting so much pressure on your team to kind of get in there. And even when you saw them actively kind of team rebounding, it wasn't working just because they were more physical and they were just a bigger team. Yeah, the physicality certainly was one that sort of got us down the stretch. You know, we were, you know, solid in the rebounding battle. It was just down the stretch where they were making the right plays. Montrez Harrell, who started off very, very quiet, um, sort of made his presence felt. And he's an absolute beast. You know, he'd probably be in the most improved player conversation, um, probably with our boy Karis LeVert at this early stage. He's been wonderful. Him and Ed Davis, they're, they're really fun guys to watch. They both bring a lot of energy, sort of like, you know, it, it's not, the old the the new style of basketball they just do the right things they're really physical they make the rebounds they get the and one plays um but enough about the clippers i guess um what was what were your thoughts on d'angelo and jared tonight both of them were were awesome yeah i mean i love the flow right from the start and i think d'angelo kind of he's He's been doing this a lot more, and I think this is probably one of his better skills, is where he comes off the pick and roll and he gets a defender on his back. He takes advantage of his size a little bit, and he's so good with the fakes that sometimes he'll end up with either getting a wide-open teardrop or, you know, pull-up jumper, or he'll hit Jared Allen with a bounce pass or a lob. So I think that's like a go-to play. They're, you know, starting to really get that chemistry going. Also, I noticed that D'Angelo has pretty good chemistry with our uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, we saw them in a couple pick and rolls, hit him with a pocket pass, went to the rim. You know, Rondé's not the best finisher, but he did finish a couple tonight. He makes him look a lot better when he's out there. Whenever Rondé's out there, I think D'Lo needs to be, even if it's just for, you know, five, ten minutes or so, because um, I I think a lot of fans were really happy with the former Rodion's Kuritz in the Washington game, and we're hoping to see a little bit more of him, as were we, to an extent. But Rondé still only saw 12 minutes tonight. So, and, you know, he wasn't phenomenal, but he made his presence felt. He was only minus one, you know, eight points, four rebounds, you know, a couple of offensive ones as well. Um, he made a couple of plays here and there. He wasn't, you know, the reason why we lost. Um, that three-pointer didn't look great. I'd rather him just to, like, at, he's got a decent pump fake. So I, I think he could do that. And like we sort of talked about, his herky-jerky sort of movements, use just, like, drive and, like, attack like a madman. We know he's got, you know, some good speed on him as well. But um, he was, I don't think Rodion's was ever really going to see much time tonight after you know, it was announced that one day would, would come back. But, yeah, I think D'Angelo was wonderful tonight. I think Jared Allen's finesse and craftiness, you know, if you've already got that at this stage, physicality and presence when it comes to being a big man is going to come with age and experience. So that's naturally going to come. And that already the the unique skill set that he possesses, and I think his IQ on both ends of the floor um, is only going to keep on growing. And he's already at such a high level. And I think that's one thing, you know, you can't teach basketball field, you know, knowing when to re- make the right plays. We talked a little bit last season about like, you know, defending the pick and roll. I think the Nets have sort of simplified their defensive systems. And as much as we don't look good in the defensive rating, 
individually, we're defending okay. We're giving up the right shots. It's just a lot of the time the teams will make it and they might get some easy buckets or we're not defending those sort of two-point shots, which you know a lot of the best players in the game today can make. So um, anyone's on this Clippers? Uh, any more notes on this Clippers one, Nick, before we go to the Wiz? I think just to touch on some more Jared Allen stuff is I think as he gets older, you know, he'll also be a little bit more conditioned because I think throughout the game sometimes he gets kind of beat up. He had five offensive rebounds, uh, but they all came in the first half. You know, we didn't see any in the second half. Obviously, some of that was the Clippers adjusting. But I feel like, you know, as soon as he gets a little bit more conditioned, you're going to even see him have a bigger impact on the game. And like you said, the, the IQ is there. We saw a couple really nice post moves. He couldn't finish them. But just the fact that he's already kind of polishing up his game, really excited to see him develop as the season progresses. What do you yeah. – before we get to the next game, though, do you think Rodion's deserved minutes tonight and he should have played? And even Rondé maybe getting more minutes with the Gallinari and Harris matchup and both of them pretty much dominating some of the smaller wings we had out there. Yeah, I mean, you can make an argument either way, Nick, because, you know, Alan Crabb was decent in terms of our perimeter, perimeter shooting. He was a threat from there. So if you're taking him out and you're putting in a guy like Wanda Hollis Jefferson, you're getting increased defense, one-on-one defense. And I saw plenty of times where Wanda was gunning Tobias. But what are you giving up on the other end of the floor? So I think Coach Kenny, for me, made the right decision in keeping Crabb out there because it was good for his confidence. And he was solid. I think it was just a very solid offensive presence uh, on, on that side of the floor. Um, Rodion's is maybe a little bit, but, you know, Coach Kenny's never going to play an extra player outside of that 10-man rotation. Um, I think he can be, you know, somewhat rigid in that sort of sense. But when the Nets were feeling it, it we didn't really need sort of that extra sort of spark. You know, our starters were getting it done. I think we were just down the stretches where, you know, you might need that little bit of, you know, extra juice. And that's where a guy like Kuritz can come in and just go bang and, you know, hit a three and just make a right play on both sides of the floor and just, you know, cut for a bucket and keep that sort of movement going. But I'm I'm not really that fussed, uh, but that's just me. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I would have liked to see him get a few minutes, but like you said, it's not like it would have changed the game where Rondé was solid when he was in there. Um, so I, I, the only thing I probably would ask for more is more Demari Carroll minutes. And I've like loved Demari and we'll touch about it a little bit in the Washington game. His shot's not, you know, falling down right now, but he just does so many th- small things, brings that toughness before we get out of here on the Clipper game. What do you think was the biggest reason they lost this game other than the fourth quarter? I think it was probably sloppy plays down the stretch, Nick. And I think a lot of it came from our second unit and as good as they have been, this season, um, and that's not to discount all of them, but I think guys like Spencer Dimity and Shabazz Napier, you know, seven turnovers between them. Um, a lot of those coming late as well and, you know, not getting the calls down low. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Shabazz at times was probably cooked on a little bit um, for his lack of size. Um, and this was maybe his worst game of the season. And he wasn't horrific by any stretch, but he didn't add enough value for when he was out there. Um, you know, 0-4 from the field, only got the one point. Um, and you can't fault him. You know, he's a backup guard, so there's going to be nights where he has this. For me, that was probably the difference in, in what was quite a close game. You know, the Clippers bench exceeded us. When you have a guy like Lou Williams uh, out there absolutely cooking, one of the best fourth point, fourth quarter, you know, scorers and players in the league, you know, you can't sort of, you know, um, leave anything up for chance. So I think that for me was probably one of the keys of why, you know, um, we probably lost this one. Yeah, the backup guards, you know, and Dinwiddie and Shabazz, like you said, with the turnovers and then also just a lack of efficiency scoring-wise, I think really hurt them. And like you said, the Clippers have some major pieces depth-wise on that team. Now, more to the positive note, talking about the Wizards game, which was a great win, 115-104. 
you know, the Nets didn't necessarily start this game amazing, but then all of a sudden they D'Lo started cooking, Dinwiddie started cooking, and then the rest of the team kind of caught on. And then we saw Rodion's have some good energy. What did you like about this Wizards win? It was almost the perfect performance, Nick. You know, outside of that first quarter where it was a little bit back and forth, um, I think that the Nets, you know, just proved that they were the better team. And that's tough to say. And that's, you know, interesting to say when you have, you know, guys out on the court like Otto Porter, Bradley Beal, and John Wall. You know, our, our backcourt far exceeded, you know, the play of guys like Bradley Beal and John Wall, despite the fact that they still, you know, put up you know, a decent enough box score. The impact that they had just was nothing. And you could easily say the same for a guy like Dwight Howard, who, who still puts up numbers, but didn't really make his impact felt on the night. Um, it was, I think it was just more the fact that the Nets were the better team. They proved that, you know, with, you know, long stretches of, of solid play on the offensive end. Um, you know, there was just really good energy uh, you could feel on this road trip. Um, and it was nice to end it with a W. Um, a bit disappointing we couldn't get it back-to-back, but um, it was good to get that win against Washington because I was a little bit nervous, you know, just irrationally, obviously, because it was just, you know, a decent performance in the end. Yeah, it, well, you know, after the Miami game, the team just seemed out of sync, and they kind of got their, you know, lack of better word, got their shit together. And I think some of it was playing the Wizards, and you mentioned the word team. I think this stuck out. The Nets played as a team and the Wizards did not. Like, when you watch the Wizards, they just have so much negative vibes with them. If there's some mistakes or sloppy play, they just look so mad at everybody from each other to the refs to the opposing team. They're just never happy. And I think the Nets, you know, obviously they really stepped up. Dinwiddie and D'Lo got whatever they wanted. They got in the paint. They were knocking down three-point shots. And just overall, just the ball moving everything. And they did a great job just constantly attacking and then getting the three open three-point looks. Yeah, everything just seemed to be in sync and was clicking. And whether it was more the fact that the Nets were taking what the Wizards were giving them. You know, the Wizards were giving them open shots. You know, you can't leave a guy like Joe Harris, any probably guy in today's NBA, their communication on the defensive side of the floor. You know, the Nets perimeter shooting isn't amazing in terms of our percentages, but we make them and we take them. And any team is going to be a threat from there, um, especially us, because I think we have taken... Um, maybe the numbers don't necessarily reflect it, but I think we've taken a nice little step there. So for me, that was just one of the things where it's just like, what are they doing? Why are they leaving guys like Joe Harris and D'Angelo Russell for open threes? Um, so for me, yeah, we were just able to sort of read the flow of the game and dictate it, you know, apart from that sort of first quarter, like you mentioned, where we were down by four. From there, we just took over the game and we just were able to sort of dictate on both ends. Yeah, and even with they missed a lot of open shots too. You know, they didn't shoot a great three-point percentage against the Wizards, and they still kind of took it, took care of business. I think they did a great job attacking inside. And then we didn't touch on this in the Clipper game, but I thought they did a good job of this in the Clipper game and the Wizards game, was drawing fouls, getting to the free throw line, getting the other team in the bonus. And that's been something that's happened to the Nets. But in this, in the last two games, they're on the opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, those are the easy ways where you can get some easy buckets. We are not great when it comes to free throw percentage. You know, 25th, I believe, in the league. Which but it's, it's very frustrating for any sort of fan because it's just like those are the shots, you know, we got uh, us can make. But uh, I'm not a great free, point shooter, a free throw shooter, so I can't speak. But um, I, I think, it, it, yeah, you'd rather get there at least. You'd rather yeah. get there, at least put them in foul trouble. And, you know, Dwight Howard fouled out, you know, a, a, a guy that you don't want to have on the floor because – you know, he's had, we've had problems with him in the past. So I think overall, it was just nice to see us dictated on both ends of the floor. You know, the defense wasn't anything remarkable, but we were able to frustrate the Wizards. And when the net, the Wizards are frustrated, then you're basically more than likely going to get the W.
Yeah, and this was a situation where we talked about the Nets' defense giving up a lot of mid-range shots. Well, the Wizards kind of took the bait, and they weren't knocking down the mid-range shots, so it just worked out perfectly for them. I know the Wizards' uh, coaching staff was upset that they didn't take more threes and try to force the three-point attempts, but the Nets kind of just baited them into that. And I thought uh, the game against Dwight, like you mentioned, was just a huge development for Jared Allen. You know, last season we saw him get abused. You know, Dwight still put up his numbers, but Jared Allen definitely had a presence, 16 points, 12 rebounds, 6 offensive. And even though he only had two blocked shots, he was just a presence in the paint defensively. He's already establishing himself as one of the better rim protectors in the league so far. And as I've said, you know, a, a bajillion times, he's only 20, guys. It's going to be in five years' time when he's 25. Can you imagine the impact that he is going to have? It's 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 uh, going to be scary for opposing offenses, that's for sure. And yeah, on the three-pointers, Nick, they only took 18 for the night, making three of them. Oof. You're not going to win many games in today's NBA making three three-pointers. Um, it's It was a, a pretty of a, a crappy night for the Wizards. I, I know my boy uh, Nick Busing, who I'll be chatting to on, on this week's JBT, was certainly disappointed to say the least. He was dodging my calls, dodging my messages, <laughs> left, right, and center, as you'd expect. But um, he, JBT this week. You gotta make oh, sure man. Bring it up to start this one. <laughs> Don't worry. I mean, Nick normally gets the, the random fact of the week, but his random fact is that his team is trash and my team has exceeded his uh, this season. But, uh, yeah, it was it sucks to be a Wizards fan. And, you know, at least for, for last night, it was good to be a Nets fan. How much better do you – I mean, we lost the Clipper game. How much better, though, do you feel about the Nets after this back-to-back than you did, But you know, after the Minnesota and Miami game? Yeah, it was sort of where it, it establishes, Nick, where I think we're at. You know, we're a good enough team to sort of, you know, stay within, you know, that playoff range. But I don't think that we're, we're going to get there because we're lacking probably our best, most talented player. Um, so I think that we are going to miss out. But at the end of the day, unless we, and we have, you know, a, a still couple of guys, a guy like Trevion Graham, who I think can add to our rotation going forward. I don't think he's going to get a heap of minutes, but uh, I'll be intrigued to see when he sort of, you know, finds his way back into the lineup because I think he can add a little bit of something, especially on the defensive end where the Nets have struggled, you know, at points. Um, so I think this is sort of where we're at, you know, a 7-9 and nine team, 7-10 and 10 team, I think now. Um, yeah, 7-10 and 10 team around that 500 range. I think that's sort of where the Nets are uh, and it reflect. it's, you know, generally reflective of where we are as a team. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, with Levert out, it's going to be tougher to get in that playoff picture unless somebody makes strides. I'll be really interested to see when Trevion Grant's back. You know, we talked about Kenny wanting to go 10-man rotation. I think it would make sense to maybe bump it up to 11 or 12 in some situations, and I think it would kind of benefit the team to continue to pick up the pace. You know, when you have that much depth, you know, we saw the Warriors before they got KD. One thing they did really well was take advantage of their depth and really push the pace the entire game. Yeah, I think pace is one thing. That has slowed someone, and I think it's been reflective in some of our turnover numbers. So I wonder if that is a directive of what the of the coaching staff, including Kenny, slow the game down because we don't want to get eaten up on the other end because our transition defense at times has been a little bit lackluster. So our turnover numbers have been pretty decent, you know, as of probably the past last two games. Yeah, as of probably the last, you know, even five to eight games, I think we've been pretty good in that sort of respect. Um, so I think. It, it's it's a catch-22, I guess. If you're pushing the pace, it's going to be, you know, a higher likelihood that you're going to turn the ball over. And then getting back in transition defense is always going to be that little bit harder. So I think it's going to be a balance, you know. With a guy like Spencer Dillardy, maybe you push the pace a little bit. With a guy like Dillo, who sort of likes to sort of read the floor a little bit, maybe you slow it down. Um, I think it's going to be what the game gives you. And I think a lot of our guys, and D'Angelo Russell deserves a lot of credit in being able to just read the game and let it 
you know, feel what the game is giving you on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the best performance tonight against the Clippers, but, you know, I think it holds us, you know, this sort of body of work so far at, ne- at over a fifth of the season so far shows of, you know, it gives us signs going forward. There's, gonna be, there's still plenty of storylines to play out, as we mentioned in our season preview, but, you know, some of those questions are at least somewhat being answered. Yeah, and, and it's nice for them to get a two-day break before they get their next game. Now, D'Angelo saw 34 minutes tonight. Is that kind of where you want to see his minutes, or would you like to see him even get a little bit more? No, I think 34 is is absolutely perfect, uh, you know, around that sort of range. I think Coach Kenny wouldn't be playing many other players that many more minutes, maybe Carlos Levert if he was still in. But I think in his absence, you know, D'Angelo is being given the reins, and as of the past few games, he's, he's um, repaying the faith and then some. Um, I'm sure, you know, there'll still be some fans out there that are awarding, you know, 40, 41 minutes from him. But D'Angelo is showing, you know, efficient numbers when he is out there on the floor. He's going to have his ups and downs. But if we can see some consistency heading into the All-Star break over the next couple of months, then it's going to be positive for us going forward. Because if you can have D'Lo showing something, we've seen the, we've already seen, you know, really nice flashes from, from Karras before he um, suffered that sort of uh, bad injury. Then it's going to be, I think, because they've already established the synergy early in the season. Uh, and then you've got a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie and Shabazz Napier waiting in the wings. So I think all of these things going forward, you know, if, if D'Angelo Russell isn't averaging 32 minutes plus, then I think I'll be upset and I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I think this, you know, given the Karis Liver injury since then, you know, the last two games, we've seen him get more minutes and Kenny kind of change up the rotations. Do you think D'Angelo is getting closer to the expectations we had before the season now, you know, in the last few games and then hopefully he continues moving forward? Oh, absolutely, Nick. I think his past two games were have been his best two games of the season. Um, in the absence of Karis Levert, is that a good thing? Yeah, I guess. Uh, but it, obviously, we'd r- much rather have both of them out there, both of them clicking at the same time. But, you know, you can only ask of what's, you know, D'Angelo Russell is doing at this stage. Um, I think he's shown consistency and he's taking confidence from these performances. You know, he's getting a couple of steals here and there. He's just making the right plays and his three-point shooting has just been absolutely splendid. You know, he's been absolutely killing it from the perimeter and he's a real threat from there. You know, one of my favorite plays that I put out in the thread you know, earlier just before tonight's game was this pull-up three that he had against Washington and it just looked so freaking smooth. You know, he did, he took it quickly. He, you know, he wasn't rushed. It wasn't forced. Um, I think that he's absolutely making some big strides forward. And, you know, I made some outlandish sort of statements with uh, a couple articles on OGD Basketball about Jared Allen being a top center and Giangelo Russell being an all-star. But both of them are playing it like, like that and certainly up to that caliber nearly. Yeah, they're getting within that range. I mean, Jared Allen, like I said, I think he's just going to continue to get better. And D'Angelo, it's been kind of up and down, but the last few have really been impressive. Now, Jack, going to another back-to-back, actually, they'll be playing Miami and Dallas. What are some changes you want to see before then? I think the changes, Nick, is just going to be on the rotation. You know, I think Coach Kenny needs to have a little bit of flexibility and go, okay, back-to-backs, this, is this where we see Kuritz again? And I think that it, it's a high likelihood that we do. Um, he's proven that, you know, he has earned those minutes. Whenever he is out there, he provides so much energy. Um, so I think we will see Rodion's in one or both of those both of those games. Um, and I think down the stretch, being able to, I think that's decent enough from uh, on the floor, but I think Spencer sort of showed his old days and sort of being in an inefficient night. But overall on the season, he has been effective and taking the right shots and making them. So I think it's just going to be about executing and making the right plays and not forcing things too much on either end of the floor because that's when turnovers can happen, that's when bad shots can happen, and it leaves you sort of playing catch-up ball. And, you know, against Miami, we want to make a, a bit of a statement after probably one of our poor performances of the season.
Yeah, you're spot on, Jack. I agree. I think you mess with the rotations a little bit on the back-to-back, maybe give some of the other guys a little bit more time or some of the bench a little bit more time over so if a guy's, you know, fatigued or whatnot. And then, like you said, you know, executing for the full four quarters. You know, we, the Nets played solid for three quarters. The fourth quarter tonight wasn't it. And then against the Wizards, it wasn't necessarily great in the first quarter, but they played well the last three. So it's that four that four-quarter consistent effort, which we've talked about for, it seems like, the last year. Yeah, I think most teams are still struggling to sort of find that four-quarter consistency. Not everyone is playing, you know, up to the likes of, you know, the Toronto Raptors and such. And even then, they're having, you know, game-to-game lulls. It's an absolute marathon of a season. But, you know, the Nets are showing enough signs on both ends. And I think Coach Kenny is starting to sort of show some... Uh, flexibility that we've sort of advocated as well you know uh, a lot of people will be you know upset that Ronde even saw any court time but I think going forward you know if Rodion continues to prove it and prove it then you know we could see Ronde you know earning less and less minutes and uh, I think that sort of being able to go okay well Rodion's you know deserves these minutes Ronde is improving out there Alan Crabb is improving out there I think the last two you know uh, nights I think Coach Kenny has done you know an above average uh, coaching job um, and despite the fact that there'll be plenty out there calling for his head. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but that's an entire show. Jack, as always, love talking Nets with you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Check us out, iTunes, Box Talk Radio, OGGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube.